How's everybody doing? Come on, let's give God a hand clap. Praise the Lord. All right, everyone's had a great week. All right, about two of y'all had a good week. Praise God. <laughs> y'all like, I'm here. Praise God. <laughs> but it's good to see everybody's face here on today. Amen. Uh, we're into February. Woo. All right. No snowstorm. Let me be quiet. But no snowstorms, no craziness. The weather been some not too nice some days. Uh, so that that's just wonderful. Um, so we're we're still in our series on God is. God is. Um, how many of you guys have been following this so far? Anybody know remember what we learned what God is? Somebody said amen and turn their face when I start asking questions. God is big. God is merciful. God is a spirit. God is <laughs> y'all crazy. And today God is eternal. Unchanging unchanging. I'm sorry. Did I say God is eternal already? All right. So God is unchanging. God is unchanging. And one thing we have to understand is that people change, but God is always consistent. And I think a lot of times because we see things shift, we think God is shifting, but the shifting has always been part of God's process. And we're going to get to that in just a couple minutes, that sometimes God shifts things and it throws us off to where we think that God changed his mind, but God has never changed his mind. God has actually just shifted things to work together for your good. And sometimes shifting is uncomfortable. Um, there are some people, I, 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 I think I'm pretty good for the most part. As I get older, I'm not as good as I used to be <laughs> with adapting to change. I think as you get older, you start getting stuck in your ways. Uh, but uh, one thing that God never allows is for us to become comfortable in our ways because we then start operating in ourselves. So what God does sometimes is he makes twists and turns and makes things uncomfortable in order for you to go back into completely depending on him. So sometimes he'll put things that are out of your control so that you know that there's no way in the world that I'm going to get out of this without God. So you'll find yourself with sicknesses that a cough syrup ain't going to fix. <laughs> You'll find yourself with some things that a doctor can't find a prescription for. You'll find yourself going through situations and avenues in life where Dr. Phil can't give you enough therapy to keep your mind right with some of the trauma and some of the things that you have gone through in your life. But the thing that is so powerful about God is God has the answer for every situation that we're going through in our life. And one thing that I'm also learning, um, this has just been a journey with me the last two years, just doing Hope Haven. Uh, the thing that I'm learning is that God sometimes allows the journey. Amen. Right. <laughs> I'm say that again. Sometimes God allows the journey and we don't like it, but it's all part of God's plan. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. The Bible says that God uh, goes into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and for 40 nights. So I remember that St. Matthew third chapter, I believe uh, another Mark, not Mark uh, uh, Luke talks about it. Uh, and he talks about how Jesus is tempted. You know, he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. He does all of these different temptations, turn stone into bread, all these things. And God counters him. Jesus counters uh, Satan with the word of God. But it says immediately after he is what? He is led by the spirit into the wilderness. It doesn't say he's led by the devil, but he's led by the spirit <laughs> into the wilderness which means that God is part of the process of leading you into the wilderness. I said it backwards. He was tempted after he got in the wilderness. This is after the baptism. So after John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, the spirit descends upon him as a dove and, 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 and God makes the announcements, gives him validation. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Bible says, and the spirit led him into the wilderness, which tells us that it is all part of God's plan. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone because I can, I, can, I can teach that one too um, because the dove descends is so more powerful than what we see in that text. You guys remember Noah. 
When, 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 when Noah was on the ark, what did he do? He sent the dove out. And the dove came back with uh, uh, something in his mouth. And then he sent them back out again. And the dove never came back. Because the dove was looking for the place of promise. But now when Jesus comes, who is our promise, who is our rest, the spirit finally descended of the dove finally descended because it found the place of peace that it was looking for all the way back in Genesis. So we have to understand, I I said all that just to throw a nugget in there. I say all this to say this, that you have to embrace even the difficult seasons in our life when you know that God is on your side. And I know it's hard, but uh, one thing we also have to understand is that if God is keeping you alive, there's purpose in it. There's purpose in it. And, And you're going through hard times, but your hard times is encouragement for someone else because they have no hope. But they're watching you live in hope and your hope is encouraging their hope. And they're saying, if Kara can do it, you know what? I'm going to trust God. Because I'm watching Kara depend on hope and that's all she got. So let me use a little bit of that hope she got and let's connect hope to hope and let's get through this together. Y'all get what I'm saying? Uh, So you got to connect with some folks and pray with some folks and 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 hold on to some folks that have hope in God and knowing, hey, hey, I'm I'm weak, but let me let me trust in Kara's hope. So we get to this this text for uh, Psalm 119, uh, 89th verse. I'm not going to be lonely today. I say that every Sunday, but I'm not going to be lonely today because uh, we only got six verses to work with today. Psalms uh, 119 uh, verses 89 through 96. Uh, I had a wonderful uh, time teaching a children's church today. Uh, maybe one of them would get up and share with us how God uh, created Adam and Eve. Um, their story initially was hilarious, um, but we got it. We got it. Praise God. We'll come to you after service. Are you guys there? All right. This is this is the psalmist uh, talking here. And he says, Lord, your word is what? Forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven, which means that once God has spoken it, it is already established. And if it's established and it's firmly written in heaven, then it cannot change. Mm. And if it cannot change, then if he has good thoughts towards you, according to Jeremiah 29 and 11, then good thoughts are going to become good things. So the thing that you have to encourage yourself in your life is, is that if I am a child of promise, if I am a daughter of promise, am I, if I am a son of promise, if God has spoken things concerning my life, it has to happen because the word has already been firmly established in heaven. Oh, I'm talking to somebody today. We'll holler in a minute. But you need to understand it has to happen. Amen. <sighs> I'm going to talk today. You know what the problem is? <laughs> You know what the problem is? Is that we mix God's word up with our desires. And when we go to God and say, God, you didn't do this. And you didn't do that. And you said, and God ain't say half the stuff that we're saying God said. So we're looking at this text and we're saying, you said your word is firmly established in heaven. And God is saying, well, where I say that in the Bible? What did I say I was going to give you a Maserati in the Bible? What did I say I was going to make you a millionaire in the Bible? That's your desire. And in order for us to get the grasp of the power of this text is we have to find the promises of God that are actually in the Bible. Stop mixing your desires with God's word. Because when you mix your desire with God's words, you'll always be disappointed. Some things have never been written by for God concerning your life. That was what you wanted. That was not what God promised. Oh, y'all. I promised to save them. 
That's my promise. According to the text. Yes. Acts 2. Yes. Yes. And the promise shall be unto you and your children and your children's children and those that are far off. But I didn't show you what condition they would be in when I saved them. That's right. Amen. I didn't share with you that possibly they may have some issues before they scream Jesus is Lord. I just promised you that I would save them. Yes. Amen. So and I, I'm, I'm taking my time here because I want us to really understand this because I'm, I'm just tired of the name it and claim it. Tap your neighbor and say, this is my season. Where is that at in the Bible? Amen. Where is it at here? And if you want joy and if you want to rejoice and you want to get excited, find the promises of God concerning your life in the Bible. Then when you pray, you can yell back to God what yes, he sir. promised in his word. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because yeah. yes, <laughs> then what you're saying is, God, you can't lie. God, you say it. It's in the book and I'm only giving you back your word. Amen. Oh, yeah. But too many times we're giving God our opinions, our desires and what we thought. But we're not going into the book, going to Deuteronomy, saying, God, you promised that I would be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Well, somebody said, well, that's under the old covenant. Well, also in the New Testament, uh, Paul shares with us in the book of Galatians that we are the seed of Abraham. So by the promise, I'm able to declare certain things concerning the promises of Abraham, because by faith, I've been adopted into the family of faith. Y'all quiet here. So now I can go back, open the scriptures and remind God of the promises that he promised Abraham seed. God, you said in Genesis 12, you said that through his seed, nations shall be blessed. So you have to bless me so that I can bless nations. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's how you go there. Amen. That's it. That's it. You don't go into, well, I saw this in a book and I always wanted this BMW. So God, you said, no, I ain't say that. Can I go a step further? Some things come through hard work. You want a BMW, get a job. Work. Put in some overtime. Don't waste God's time shouting and dancing all around the church for a BMW and somebody hungry. Somebody's dying. Go to work, save your money, and get a BMW. <laughs> Let's stop mixing this Western popularized culture with the scriptures. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble today. Let's stop because there's somebody in Africa that has never seen a BMW. There's somebody in a third world country that has never witnessed prosperity. So the prosperity gospel doesn't work there. That's right. You can't teach that to me when I don't even have a roof over my head. You can't teach that to me when my children are dying from starvation. I need you to go in the book and show me hope. Which what's really there and not feed me something that's going to gratify my flesh, but not feed my soul. And we see that with the woman at the issue of at the, at the, at the well last week, that she came every week drawing water to gratify her flesh, but her soul was empty. And Jesus recognized that what I have, you drink of this, you'll never thirst again. And if you, I didn't even get to that last Sunday. When you study that scripture, the Bible says she left her bucket there. <laughs> she never filled the well, filled her bucket with water. Because after she had an encounter with Jesus, nothing else mattered. Mm. Y'all missed it. She went to gratify her flesh, but after an encounter with Jesus, she left the bucket and ran to her family because she found something that was greater. Then a temporary, I can go a day without some water after I had an encounter with Jesus. And she leaves it there. So we have to understand here in this first verse, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place, that God's word has already been firmly 
established. I'm going to say something that's going to mess y'all up. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's already yours. And I ain't talking about houses and cars. I'm talking about the promises of God. It's already yours because it's already been firmly established in the heavens. Can I go a step further? And it wasn't firmly established in the heavens this week. It wasn't firmly established January 1st. It wasn't even firmly established on the day you were born. It wasn't even established the day that your grandma was born. This thing was established before God even established the earth that you were part of his plan. And because he could not lie and because he is a promise keeper and because he can't renege on his word, he had to die through sin to get to your destination and to get through your lineage and to get through your name so that he could save you. I want to wipe out the world, but I got a promise for Kara. I want to wipe out the world, but I got a promise for Evangelist Davis and I want to wipe them out, but because I promised her that I'd save her, deliver her, redeem her, I gotta keep the earth alive so that I can fulfill my word concerning her. Oh, you don't understand how important every single one of you in this room is that when God could have wiped out generations, he kept them alive because your name was in it. Y'all can't tell me that ain't something to praise God for. Should have wiped my generations out years ago. All of the sin and all of the mess and all of the heartaches and all of the shortcomings and all of the diseases and mixtures and masses and everything that went on. And God says, you know what? I still got a Joel. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That has purpose. I need him. I don't need him, but I want him. God don't need none of us. But I've given him a purpose to preach the gospel on February 9th around 12 noon. And because this was already mandated, because somebody in this room needed to hear that word. God has kept me alive to give you the word because you were part of his promise. Now y'all got to understand how powerful that is. Woo! Anybody ever look at your family and say, woo! Woo! You go to fan reunion, woo! This is us? This where we come from? And God said, yup. And I'm keeping all of them alive because there's a promise on them. Mm. So his word is established in the heavens. Y'all right with me today? His word is already established in the heavens. So there's grandchildren. There's great-grandchildren. There's generations that haven't been born yet. That God, because he's a promise keeper, has to keep certain people alive to get to that generation. Watch this. They're a mess, but there's a Moses in them. There's sin in this bad relationship, but in 40 and two generations, there's a Jesus coming. And if I wipe out Ruth, I'll mess up the situation that she has with Obed. And I'll mess up the situation with Jesse. And I'll mess up the situation with David. And I'll mess up the situation with Solomon. And I'll mess up the generation with Zerubbabel. And I'll mess up the generation with Nathan. Y'all quiet. And I'll mess up the generation with Mary and Joseph. And I'll mess up my own promise. But because I'm a promise keeper, sometimes I look past the mess because I see what's on the way. Can I talk to somebody today? Sometimes God looks at the mess and says, you know what? Beyond all of the mess, I still see a blessing in you. And that's why I thank God that he hasn't killed me in my mess because even in my mess, he sees something. I'm sorry to be screaming today. I'm still at the first verse. Your word is forever. It is established firmly fixed in heaven. Your faithfulness is for all. What? It doesn't say for righteous generations. It doesn't say for perfect generations. It don't say for saved generations. It don't say for Christian 
generation. Y'all quiet. <laughs> it don't say for save, sanctify, Holy Ghost filled, five baptized generations. It says for all gen- y'all quiet. <laughs> Which means there's hope in every generation. Oh, well, then mama crackhead, that mean that nope, 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 nope. There's still hope. Oh, no, no. What well, you know? They, they known as being a family user of alcoholics. That, nope, nope, nope. That's that. He said all generations. Children of Israel are in Egypt. And they done lost focus on God. And I keep telling this story. They're slaves. They firstborns are being killed. They going through all different types of mess going on. But the Bible says one day they sighed. (sighs) And the Lord heard them. And the Bible says, and the Lord heard their sigh and remembered the promise that he gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because he's faithful to all generations. (laughs) One day you sigh for your sin. You said, I'm tired. And God didn't remember your sigh. God heard the cry of Mother Carrie Green and said, because I made a covenant with her, Carrie, your sigh has reached me and I got to save you. (laughs) This is how powerful God's promises are. They exceed just one generation. Because it's firmly established in heaven, it might not happen in the next generation, but there's a generation that's coming that God's word will be released on. Am I making sense today? You establish the earth, watch this, and it stands firm. Watch this, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, in the beginning, All right, you're going to help me preach, Vanessa. (laughs) In the beginning, God. And who else? In the beginning? God. And no one else? Hmm. Because if there was anything else, we would have to glorify that too. Amen. The moment God has a source of his being, is the moment he no longer exists as being God. Amen. Y'all missed that. Amen. The moment God has to give glory to something else is the moment that God seeks from being God ever again. So in the beginning, God, because beside him, there is no other. Y'all say, what about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? They're all one. He is the son. He is the spirit. Not just the spirit, the Holy Spirit. So all three of them were there in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without or and the spirit. It moved upon the face of the and God said God's said, God's word, God said in the beginning was the, and the word was with, and the word was. So in the beginning, God, the spirit was upon the face of the deep and God said, which means God, the father, God, the spirit and God, the son were all there at the same time. So God was always there and watch this we talked about this in Sunday school so y'all about to get a Sunday school lesson first things of creation God created he created by his word and God said let and it was and God said let and it was and it was so wonderful that he looked at it and said it is good am I talking too deep God said, let, 
And it was. And his word has so much power that everything he spoke in the beginning still exists now. So that grass that you see outside was spoken in the beginning. And it still lasts to this day. (laughs) That sun y'all see in the sky, he spoke on the fourth day and it's still shining. And it ain't just shining, but it's shining so good that if you get too close, you burn right up. Matter of fact, you ain't got to get too close. Just go live at the equator for a little bit. He's so wonderful that he speaks. And when he speaks, it's eternally established until he decides that he wants it no more. That's the kind of God that he is. So he created the earth. He established the earth. And what the psalmist is saying is, God, you declared something generations ago and it still stands. So how in the world that I'm so important that you can speak something in my life and it won't stand? Y'all listening here. If God can speak to the earth and the earth is still established, what makes you think whatever you're going through, God won't establish it and still do it? Oh, my preach. Amen. Yes. We talked about this on Wednesday. Our life is nothing but a vapor. That's it. Oh, no, our life is nothing but a mist. You ain't even a whole day in the mind of God. Your last four generations ain't been a whole day. That's right. Your last 10 generations ain't been a day in God's life. The Bible says a thousand years are like yesterday in God's mind. Which tells us that we are small in the mind of God. And if we're small in the mind of God, what do you mean he can't do the impossible? Ain't nothing impossible in a couple seconds of his life. He's the God of eternity. Amen. What do you mean what you're going through? God can't bring you out. Amen. What do you mean what you're going through is too tough? What do you mean? Oh, God, I hope you can help me. God, I hope you can fix this situation. You're not talking to your friend. Nope. You're not talking to somebody that lives in time. He didn't make time for himself. He made time for you. Amen. Amen. Time wasn't created until the fourth day. So how do we calculate seven days? Man's time wasn't created until the fourth day. So who calculated four days up to the fourth day? My, my, my. Amen. Yeah. So this Monday through Saturday, Monday through Sunday, Sunday through Saturday, that's our seven days. That ain't God's seven days. Because days one through three was in his eternal time. Mm, Y'all missing it. So you establish the earth and it stands firm. They stand today in accordance with your judgments. I love this part right here. For all things. Look at your neighbor. Say all things. All things are your servants. She's telling me that he's not talking about people. He's talking about all. I can preach right here. One Sunday, I'm going to just kick a chair and stand all on him. This is like, this is that point right here. All things. All. Look at you say all things. All things are God's servants. He created the law of gravity. Everything. Yes. He created all of the science laws. He created all things. Amen. Which means that all things are subject to him. Amen. I feel like I'm giving like a systematic theology course today. Amen. All things are created through him, which means that all things are subservient to him. Which means that if he decides to change the rules, he can because he made the rules. (laughs) So it's not unfair that he changed the rules. He's the rule keeper. 
So now we go through the scriptures and we see where God suspends the rules in order for his word to manifest because he's an unchanging God. And because he's an unchanging God, he has to shift some things so that his unchanging word will manifest in our life. Yeah, what are you talking about? Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. He says, I ain't going to let them go. He says, all right, cool. God now goes into his creative process and speaks to frogs and frogs start jumping out the water. Yes, yes, yes. How about, go ahead. Let my people go. No, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change the noun into blood. Let my people go. All right, cool. They ain't going to listen. I'm going to get locusts and lice. Let my people go. All right, cool. What I'm going to do is I'm going to come out with a virus. Mad cow disease. And I'm going to strike all their cattle. And because I'm the creator of everything, I'm going to put some blood on Israel's cattle. And I'm not going to touch theirs because that belongs to them. But I'm going to touch anything that doesn't belong to my people because I can suspend the rules. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Uh, let my people go. Oh, you you still you still ain't listening. I'm gonna bust out with a bunch of gnats and flies. I know this goes against science, but I'm gonna bring every gnat and every science, every fly from all edge ends of the earth, call them together to get my purpose applied, and I'm gonna get on your nerves with these things because yes. I'm God. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna come up with something called the spirit of death, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna wipe out anything that doesn't have the blood applied to their doors. Uh, uh, let my people go. Oh, they still ain't listening. This is what I'm going to do. Because I separated the waters from the firmament, I'm going to go to the the, the Nile or the Jordan, uh, and I'm going to speak to that Jordan. I'm going to speak to that Red Sea, and I'm going to tell that Red Sea to back up like I did in the beginning because I'm the God of the beginning, and I can suspend rules so that my people can make a way out of no way. What are you saying? What I'm saying is, is that God is able to suspend the rules of cancer. God is able to suspend the rules of heart disease. God is able to suspend the rules of diabetes. God is able to suspend the rules of clinical depression and all of these things because he's able to shift things because as he's the creator of all things. And what we got to do is put our dependence on him and not on anyone If God can't do it, it can't be done. But because I serve a God that can do all things, I'm going to call on the name of the Lord with everything I have till it's done. Joshua 10. Children of Israel fighting. The Gibeonites decide to come up and join Israel because they're scared. And Gibeah wasn't a small city. They were some bad boys too. So the five kings of the Canaanites came together and they decided that they were going to come up against Israel. God does something. He suspends rules again. They're in the middle of war and God drops huge hail balls from heaven that never touches Israel's head. Y'all missed it. They're in battle. And God being who he is, this is Joshua 10, drops hair like this and makes sure it only hits the heads of the enemies. And just when you think that's bad, they start running and God says, you know what? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. They ain't running. Because I am the creator of time. I'm going to keep the sun still. Yes, sir. <laughs> so you wipe out every single one of those enemies. Because yes, I am God alone. Now we can get into all that. You know, science tells us that the earth evolves around the sun. So there's no way in the world that happens. Well, then God stopped the earth. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't believe that? Well, then God had a lunar eclipse. Well, you don't believe that? Well, that God, God tilted the axis of the earth so they could face the sun against Israel. Wherever you want to believe, God did it in order to get his rules completed. Yeah. God will and God can change whatever he wants to get his will done. And this is what the psalmist is saying. I don't just serve no little God, but I serve the God of the universe that can shift, change, and even transport. If he, y'all, y'all remember that Philip? Brother transported. Yes, yes. And this is in the New Testament. We thought all the crazy stories in the old. In the New Testament, he baptized him. I end up somewhere else. This is the kind of God we serve. Amen. So watch this. 
They stand today in accordance with your judgments for all things are your servants. Whatever you're going through, remind that thing that it is a servant to God. And God will shift whatever he has to shift in order for you to get the favor you need to get. They getting on my nerves. Yeah, Pharaoh's heart and was hard, his heart was hardened too. But what did God do? God softened that heart after he came in his room and his little boy was dead. Yeah, oh, but they're bigger and they're mightier than we are. But do you know whose side you're on? And when you begin to really understand that everything under the earth is subservient to God, you know how to pray to God now. And ask God for his perfect will to be done. And you will then be able to see the manifestation of things change around you because they are under the subservient Amen. of God. Amen. Amen. So I'm sick. OK. God. I need you to make this sickness your servant. Y'all, man. <laughs> oh, I'm hurt. God, I need you to fix this hurt that I'm going through. Yeah. Because whatever caused this hurt mm-hmm. is subservient to you. Yes. Oh. Go ahead and Amen. God, I'm going through whatever is causing you to go through. God, I need you to fix this situation because whatever is making me go through this is subservient to you. And when you put that trust in God, you will see God go to war on your behalf and you will see things that you thought were Goliaths become nothing more but little grasshoppers. Oh, Jesus. If your instruction, if your word, if your instruction, if your word, if this Bible, if these scriptures had not been my delight. So what does that tell you about the psalmist? He lives in his word. He lives in his Bible. I would have died in my affliction. If I didn't have this Bible, if I didn't open this thing every day, I'm helping somebody. If I didn't look for scriptures to get me through whatever I was going through, I would have died in my Affliction. Let's go a step further. Let's move beyond the flesh. If I didn't have this word, I would have died in my eternal affliction. If I didn't know John 3.16, if I didn't know Romans 10 and 9, if I didn't know the way of salvation, if I didn't know they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, I would have died in my affliction. But thank God that you have given me this word. And can I help somebody? How in the world are you alive on this scripture and this word and you don't give it to somebody else? How do you have the cure for eternal sickness and you don't share it? You got the spiritual flu shot. Amen. Everybody dying around here right now of the spiritual cannavirus. Am I saying it right? Corona. Corona. <laughs> Corona. I don't care because Jesus is with me. They dying from this thing. Spiritually. I ain't talking naturally. They need to go get some flu shots. Something. Call on Jesus who is serving. You know, I'm serious. You better call on the Lord. We got to pray on these people because this is this is really dangerous. And now it's coming into America. Last time I checked, 400 and something people died from it. I'm sure that number's risen because I, I read that earlier this week. So in, in a serious note, let's please pray for these people that are dying from um, this disease. Uh, but on a spiritual level, there is a famine that is wiping out our loved ones. Yes. It is this sickness and this disease called sin. And they have no hope. And meantime, you're standing beside them texting and scrolling and you got a Bible app. Amen. <laughs> Can I go a step further? You might not have a phone. I don't know who that is. <laughs> you ain't got no phone. You might not have a phone. But you know John 316. Amen. Most of you know Romans 10 and 9. What do you know a scripture from your childhood, Sunday school, the Lord's prayer? Give them 
something. We cannot allow people to walk past us and not give them hope when we know that we have the hope in our hands. And what David is saying is that if I did not have this instruction, if I did not have this scripture, I would have died a long time ago. But thank you for your word. Next verse. I will never forget your precepts for you have given me life through them. This word is the water. This is the water that the woman at the well was looking for because water is life. And he's saying, I can't forget them because I live by them. Mm. How many of us can say we live by this? Not perfectly. Can I help you? God ain't looking for you to be perfect. So when I say live by this, I ain't saying it ain't nobody Jesus. I know I ain't Jesus Jr. I know my mom and daddy. There wasn't nothing, nothing, nothing special about that. They just loved each other. No, no words spoke to my mom. No, Yasmin was born before me, so that whole immaculate conception thing it didn't happen in the Morfield family. <laughs> so this is our lifeline. Amen. And I know I feel like I'm saying this, and you guys probably heard this your whole entire life. But this is your lifeline. Amen. When you feel hopeless, pick up your lifeline. Amen. When you feel depressed, pick up your lifeline. Amen. When you feel hurt, pick up your lifeline. Amen. When things are just seem like they're just going chaotic, pick up your lifeline because this lifeline builds your faith. Amen. And when you read scriptures like this, and you begin to see who the God of the universe is, it begins to give you such a reassurance to know that you can conquer and take anything on and know that nothing can wipe you out without God's permission. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. I'm done here. The wicked hope to destroy me, but I contemplated your decrees. (laughs) I'm going to stop there. The translation of the message is different. It says, the wicked hope to destroy me, but I ain't worried about them. We read that in the message translation. The wicked have plans, but I ain't worried about them. Why aren't you worried about them? Because I know what the Bible says. No weapon formed against me. Shall prosper. You can form it, but it won't work. So he's not concerned. He's not upset because he recognizes that they can hope. But I know what the word says, and I'm protected by your word. I have seen a limit to all perfection. This is why I'm closing. I have seen people who have done things phenomenally with excellence. I see one of the greatest basketball players in the last ever just ever. If Kobe played with Wilt, he would have had 100 one night too. I believe it. Yeah, 81 against much more athletic guys. But we've seen he had a limit. Y'all know I love MJ. But MJ can't play like he played in 93. Bill Russell's still alive. But Bill Russell ain't grabbing no, Bill Russell ain't getting one rebound. 85 years old, he not, he, he's not competing against Joel Embiid. <laughs> it shows us that there's limits on all of us. All of us have met some smart people. Yeah, we all. We've all come in contact with some super capable, natural abilities, it seems, type of people. I'm sure you've seen a brother run a 43 in the 400. And it probably blew your mind. But tell me to do it 10 years from now. I'm sure you've seen somebody running. You've seen Usain Bolt. Tell him to do it now. And that was in 08. Some of our greatest writers lose their minds at the latter years of their life. Some of our greatest scholars lose their capabilities. But what is so wonderful is, thank God we didn't put our trust in them. We learned from them, but we didn't put our trust in them. 
because they had limits. But our God, his command is without limit. <laughs> and when you look at that word command, it means that whatever he speaks goes beyond any limits. Oh, well, you can't do that. Says who? I'm God. But God, the law, the law of attraction says, I'm God. Well, God, the law of gravity said, well, I'm God. And not only am I without limit, but I never lose my ability. Amen. I'm so good that before Kobe was, I was. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm so good, I put the ability in him. Amen. Amen. I get, <laughs> I'm going too crazy now. I gave him the correct genetic makeup to become Kobe. Yeah. I took Jelly Bean Bryant and Chubby Cox's daughter, two basketball players from Philly, woohoo, and created Kobe Bryant. Yeah. When nobody thought that was nothing, I knew it was something. Y'all got to run. That's why you can't be mad at your parents, your mama and daddy. Because what God did was he took the good qualities in them and put it in you. I learned to preach from my daddy. Yeah. Amen. I didn't know what preaching was. Never heard of it. I can't, I can't, I can be as angry or whatever, and I'm not. But I can't. Take away from the fact that the man put something in me. And it was part of God's plan for him to be my father so that I could have this ability. So regardless of how you feel about your past, it all had something to do with your future. Even your enemies. Your enemies made you read your Bible more. Your enemies made you fast and pray. Your enemies made you go to God and say, God, I need your help. So sometimes you got to look at your enemy and say, thank you. I was, (laughs) I'm done here for real. I'm done here for real. I'm I'm corny. Um, I love Hall of Fame speeches. (laughs) That sounds crazy. But I literally go to YouTube and I watch all the NBA Hall of Fame speeches from like the 80s. And I was watching Allen Iverson's speech. And he talked about Tyron Lue. Y'all remember Tyron Lue? 2001 NBA Finals. Iverson hit the jumper, walked over him. Right? So Tyron Lue, the, the, the Lakers actually won that finals. They won four games to one. Y'all remember that? 2001? That was my year. Ooh, that was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> and... um. Tyron Lue, I guess, did somewhat of a good job at, at uh, defending Iverson that that next year, the Washington Wizards gave him $30 million for five years. So Allen Iverson said, so the next year we're playing Washington and we're, we're watching the players through the free throws and we're sitting in the backcourt. And he said, I looked at Tyron Lue and I said, you only got that $30 million because of me. Mm-hmm. He said, Tyron Lue looked back at me and said, thank you. And kept on playing the game. <laughs> Sometimes you got to look your enemies in the face and say, thank you. <laughs> so there are certain things that have happened that pushed you closer to God. There are certain things that happened in your life where you're like, oh, how am I going to get through this? And you made through it. You got through it. And now it's time to look back sometimes. And I know this sounds hard. But look at the things that made it difficult for you at a time in your life. Look back at it and say, thank you. I'm going to give you these three points and I'm going to sit down. I I, I promise you I was supposed to preach for 10, 15 minutes today. Y'all did this. Number one, when God speaks his word, I'm sorry, when God speaks, his word is established. When God speaks, his word is established. So God will not change his word. But he'll change things to fulfill his word, including you. <laughs> he'll change you to complete his word. Number two, his word gives us life. How are you living without his word? 
How are you living? How, how are you getting through this week and you didn't open your Bible this week? There are too many options. I love y'all when y'all tell me about the podcast y'all listen to because that lets me know, regardless, that lets me know you got some type of communion. Listen to a podcast. It ain't got to be whole payment. I'm only 15 minutes on there most of the time. You got the rest of the week. Listen to Todd, Mike Todd or John Gray, whoever y'all listen to. Please, whatever. But as long as they're giving you the word. Now, you know, something don't sound right. Cut it off. But get that word in you. Because that word is life. Listen to some other speakers. Get get the word of God in you. I'm probably the only pastor that's saying that. Most people just only want you to hear them. Number three, all things are subject to his word. Everything. Everything is subject to his word. So if everything is subject to his word, what is too hard for God? Nothing. Praise God. I'm going to give you uh, our, is everybody wrote that down? I'm going to give you our five uh, scriptures of this week, our reflection scriptures. <clears throat> These are just scriptures that I, I'd give you guys that you can look at during the week. Um, they're usually on social media. I'm sure Darnell Zippor probably put them on or Vanessa, one of y'all put them on this week. <laughs> Darnell Zippor, they'll put them on this week um, just as a reminder. But these are going to be our reflection scriptures on Monday. It will be Micah 7 and 20. Micah 7 and 20. Number two. Tuesday will be Joshua. We actually talked about this today where the sun stood still. Joshua 10 uh, verses 12 through 13. Wednesday will be the whole psalm. Psalm 8. It's not that long. Uh, what's that song we sing here? Lord Your Mighty. Lord, Lord Your Mighty is inspired of off of this uh, psalm. Thursday Psalm 119 and 91. We actually went over that today. That all things are subject to the word of God. Psalms 119 and 91. All right. And finally, Friday will be John, 1 John. I'm sorry. I always say 1 John. St. John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Uh, this is Jesus at the wedding of Cana. Uh, where he turned water into wine, how he suspended the rules. He suspended the rules to change or to get people what they needed. Now, that's a whole nother text in itself because the governor never refers to it as wine. <laughs> well, Jesus never refers to it as wine. The governor refers to it as wine. Jesus never refers to it as wine. All he did was tell him to put water inside of water pots. All he told them to do was put water inside the water, told them to get pots and put water in it. But he never said he was turning anything to wine. He said, just put some water in it. And when they tasted it, they called it wine. So did the water turn to wine or did God, Jesus, just change their taste? Something to think about. <laughs> just something to think about. All right. Um, Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.